You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy. All right, so yeah, like Rob said, we are starting off this series going through a little bit more of Genesis. We've been working through there for a while, um, and we've done two other chunks thus far. We did uh, the beginning, and then we did Abraham last year, and I'm going to review kind of some of the things that we went through in those series and, and point us back towards those, get us a little bit of a running start as we dive into the next, I think it's 10 or... No, it's not that many chapters. It's, I think we're going 25 through 32 or 33, if I remember right off the top of my head, over the next, next six weeks. So we'll get a little Isaac and a little bit of Jacob in this series. <clears throat> we decided to call it Legacy Continued, uh, which I hope as, as we move through today, you're going to see why we did that. Um, but let's go ahead and go back one year ago, plus a year and a half ago, actually. Uh, the beginning of 2020, pre-COVID. It was before we knew everything was going to go all wonky. Man, what a blissfully ignorant time that was. Uh, So we did this series called In the Beginning, and it was the first 11 chapters of Genesis. We went through 1 through 11. And we did that January 5th through February 23rd. If you want to go look those up on the podcast, Uh, we weren't broadcasting, so you just get to listen to us. You can't actually see, see us as we're talking on that one, but that might actually be a better thing. Uh, still not sure if we want the masks back or not. Um, but we're going to cover a couple of the things that were super important in this series. Um, Genesis 1 through 11 is the building blocks for the rest of the story. And it's, it's very informative and it, it, really kind of dictates who we are as a church in a lot of ways. Uh, that's, if I had to pick one section of scripture that might be my favorite, with the exception of some of Jesus's stuff, especially Old Testament, Genesis 1 through 11, I could spend all day there. Um, so we're going we're gonna to review a couple of the things that were super important in that. Um, first thing that we need to remember uh, or that you need to hear if you weren't here for that series, Genesis 1 through 11 has a different style than the rest of the book. The rest of the book of Genesis has a different writing style than chapters 1 through 11. There's a very distinct shift in tone. If you're, if you're just reading along, it's, it's pretty easy to catch on that there's this distinct shift at chapter 12. And chapters 1 through 11 has this different style. And one of the things that we went over in this series is that it is considered epic poetry, by most scholars. Uh, there's all sorts of repeated patterns that help point us towards it being poetry, right? Uh, and it's a little different because it's ancient poetry, so it's not, you know, roses are red, violets are blue, God made the world and he loves you too. Ooh, that was pretty good on the fly. <laughs> Feeling good. This is going to be a good one. Uh, I started that. I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go with it. <laughs> it could have ended badly. Uh, but it's, it's, there's all these repeated patterns, but it's ancient 
and it's Eastern and it's, it's got this different sort of lens that we need to look through at it because they have a different way of viewing the world. We've talked about that numerous times about the different viewpoint that they, the different way that they look at things, the different way that they express and they teach in the Eastern mindset. Um, but it's this epic poetry and, and because of the way that they teach, it's more allegorical. Uh, it's more allegorical in fashion. Uh, the, the, the big takeaway is that we need to read Genesis 1 through 11, not like a science or a history textbook that we would in the West, right? This isn't like some textbook that you'd pull off the shelf in Mike's office or one of the thousands that we carried up into his house when we moved him. I'm assuming those were textbooks. He's laughing. Must be yes. Uh, like th- this isn't how, that's not how we should read this. It's got a different, different kind of spin to it. That doesn't mean that it doesn't teach us things just, in the, it, just as much as some historical textbook would. In fact, maybe more so. But we need to look at it a little differently, just through a different lens. We started learning about chiasms. Uh, there was a lot of them. There was chiasms in chiasms in chiasms, baby chiasms, daddy chiasms, all sorts of chiasms in this, in this series that we went over. Uh, every week, multiple And these these are some of the patterns that helped point us towards central themes and central things that we needed to learn that God's trying to teach us through this section of scripture. We learned to look for the problems in the scripture, the the problems in the story. I say that problems, it's uh, the the things that are weird that should draw our attention. Uh, We learned to take kind of our Sunday school glasses off and Actually, maybe put our Sunday school glasses on in my case so I can actually see. But notice the fact that that's a talking serpent and that's very odd. I don't know. I've never met one that speaks personally. Um, So either it's a bad LSD trip or there's something going on and we should probably cue in on this. It's drawing our attention. And so instead of skipping over them, oftentimes as we do, uh, if we grow up, you know, hearing about Noah and the ark, right? You think of this on the, on the kid's bedroom wall where you've got all the animals and it's really cute, right? And then you realize that that's a story about destroying all of the world. There's a lot of people that died. Maybe we shouldn't read that with that kid lens on. So we learn to look for these problems, to see them and to dive into them, to wrestle with them a little bit in that series. <clears throat> Another example of that, God calling something not good right after he got done saying that everything was very good. He says, he finishes creating things on the seventh and he says, everything is tov meod, very good. And then the very next story, right at the beginning, man is alone and that's not good. And that should get us, wait, he just said it should draw our attention. And it did in that story. So we, we pulled apart some of these stories and we wrestled with some of the problems in that series that point us towards what, is God, what God is getting at. And, and we remembered who the first listeners of this story were, the first people to hear these, these tales. They were liberated slaves just fresh out of Egypt sitting at Mount Sinai and Moses comes down off of the mountain and he, he tells them this story of who their God is that just did these crazy things that just parted the Red Sea and saved them from Egypt and brought all these plagues, this crazy powerful God that they're following. And Moses comes down and teaches them who he is through these stories. 
And, and these stories that they're hearing for the first time, we saw that there was a lot of similarities between, say, like the creation story in Genesis and the Egyptian creation myths. There's a lot of similarities in those. And so as Moses would be telling the Israelites this, the Hebrews at that point, they, they didn't have Israel uh, at that point, but nonetheless, he's telling God's people the story of how they came into existence. And they'd be like, yeah, no, I've heard that. That's similar. All right. Yeah, that's very, uh, I'm familiar with this one. And then he gets to a point and there's a twist. God turns the story on its head and it usually is to point towards a character trait that is a little bit different than how the Egyptian gods are. And by a little bit, I mean 360 degrees, completely turned around, flipped the other way. The Egyptian gods are normally angry and vengeful and wrathful. And humanity's some cosmic accident because they were warring or they, they wanted to get back at another god or, or just accidental. And God says, no, no, no. I created you on purpose and I said you were good. And I'm a God that loves you. And I'm a God that knows when to say enough. And I'm a God that shows restraint. We saw that through Genesis 1 through 11. This, this story of learning who their God is, is what we get in 1 through 11. And at the center of, of 1 through 11, uh, lay this, this nugget of rest. Oh, I skipped a slide there. Sorry. Let's throw that one up there real quick, Mike. Sorry, I'm, I'm, getting all, I'm getting all ahead of myself. So we saw patterns. This was an example of one of the, man, our graphics were super good. I'm roughly right. Uh, you'll notice I learned to spell sometime, maybe, maybe. Thanks for pointing that out, Josh. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, patterns that we saw between Adam's story and Noah's story, like th these patterns that keep reoccurring in these stories one through 11. Uh, we had like creation and then God said enough. He knew when to say enough in creation and stop, not just keep creating, right? Uh, and then he, there was this testing period where, you know, you get the, in the garden with the, with the, uh, with the tree and, and the temptation was to be like God. And we saw that there was a lack of self-control there and then sin grows and there was exile versus Noah's story, destruction, which is really just another version of creation, uh, in a sense. And God knew when to say enough because he kept Noah around. Uh, and then there was this testing and well, Noah curses like God. He wants to be like God. There's a lack of self-control. And then we saw sin organize and then the people are scattered. There's these parallels that we saw. And if you want to skip to the next, the next slide that I got there, there we go. We saw that there was more reoccurring patterns in one through 11. And at the center of this of this one through 11 with all these stories was this Noah's story. And at the center of the chiasm, the big chiasm there was that rest, rest was at the center of this. In the story of Noah, rest was at the center. And if you're, if you're, you're like, I don't remember this at all. Good news. They're on the podcast. You can go back and check these out. Man, if our listens don't go up this month, I don't know what I don't know what will. Right? This God is calling us back in. He's trying to He's trying to constantly pull people back into a Genesis 2 sort of state of trusting that He is enough. The stories keep pulling us back to trusting that the God who made us 
is enough and that we can rest and trust in that. He's trying to pull us back into this. And all of these stories go to show us and they model his character through them. And they model our character because there was a lot of times where we identify with the characters, with the things that are going on in these stories. So God is pulling us back into that. That was Genesis 1 through 11. That was in the beginning, our, our series there. That year we continued in Genesis 12 through 24, just a small chunk of scripture. Uh, that we're going to review, only 25 chapters or so. Uh, and we called this one, The Partner God Pursues. Uh, we went over the story of Abram, who became Abraham. And we tied this in with our uh, core values. And we started to look at what type of person does God decide to partner with? Who is God going to choose as his person to build his kingdom? And what are the character traits that we see in this? And how can we learn from that? How can we apply this to our church here? <clears throat> so we got to know Abraham. He starts as Abraham, but he grows into the father of nations. If you want to throw that one up there for me, Bob. Uh, perfect. Uh, so we started off that he, he starts off as just a guy. Cause a lot of times we think of Abraham as being this giant of the faith, right? We sing songs about father Abraham and many sons, right? He didn't start off that way. He started off as just a guy that was willing to go West, a guy that was willing to move. And God said, I'm going to work with that. And he was a guy that was cut from a little bit of a different cloth, right? little different than the world back then. There was some, some things that were a little strange about him. For one, he had this wife that he chose and he decided to stay with, even though she was barren and wouldn't be able to give him any sons, which in that time period, if you didn't have sons, your legacy was dead. You had no, there was, there was no future and who was going to take care of you in your old age. And they lived to a ripe old age. So there was a lot of years that I imagine they could take from that. He's cut from a different cloth. We see this a couple of times. We saw through these stories, his call, uh, where God calls him and sends him to Egypt um, with Lot and with uh, the blood path, with the, his various interactions with Hagar and the circumcision story and the strangers that come and Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the binding of Isaac, all of these stories we, we walked through and we saw that there was some of our core values that came through in some of these stories. We saw that he was incredibly generous dealing with Lot or providing for the strangers, right? It was like 60 billion pounds of bread that they made or something like that. It was a lot. He was very generous with his wife's ability to make bread. That's, a, that's something like, you know, I read that's from like, man, is Abraham generous or is Sarah a saint? ¿Por qué no los dos? Nevertheless, uh, we saw that he's incredible. We saw a lot of sacrificial generosity. His willingness to let Lot take the first pick of where they wanted to go when they divided. We saw that. We saw that he made mistakes. Uh, conveniently, I remember this very clearly. I got to preach both of the roughly right sermons and I was real happy about it. Yeah, Jen. Uh, super stoked. I, I realized this morning, I don't actually remember how I 
preached roughly right involved with the circumcision story. So I'm going to have to go back and review that one because I've blocked it from my memory. I, I really can't remember. <laughs> I really don't think you want circumcision to be roughly right. So just off the graph, I'm like, ah, what, what, what did, how did we tie that in? I don't know, but I'm going to go review it. So uh, that'll be good. Um, it's one of mine, not Rob's. Darn. Uh, it'll be painful. Nevertheless, uh, nevertheless, uh, we saw that he made mistakes. Uh, a couple of times he goes and he tries to lose his wife uh, by calling, him, calling her his sister, right? We, we talked about that. He does this not once, but twice. Uh, cue in on that story. Go review that story because that might be important in weeks to come. Um, but he makes mistakes. Uh, and he, we, we saw that he has authentic conversations with God and with other people, uh, whether he's, uh, he's willing to be vulnerable with God in this conversation at the blood path. I remember uh, he's, he's standing there and he's saying, I don't know how you're going to go about doing this. Like, and he tries to call God on it because he's in a very, like he's torn up over this. He doesn't see how, how am I, you say I'm supposed to be father of nations, but how am I going to do that? And then, uh, and then when, when God set, has him set it up, then he's sitting there and he says, I can't walk through this. I'm gonna, it's going to be the death of me, right? The covenant, I'm going to have to, like, I can't keep up my end of the bargain. He's having this authentic conversation with God. We saw that he's demonstrated some authenticity that we, we yearn to have. We saw that he fights for family, whether it's dealing with Lot. Uh, he goes and bails out Lot a couple of times. Uh, or dealing with Isaac and Ishmael. Uh, it's, a, it's a rough situation. He doesn't always do it right, but he fights for it. He fights for redemption, and we do see that with Isaac coming back by the end of the story. We saw lessons on valuing diversity and fighting for unity. We saw that with Hagar, uh, and we saw that with Sodom. When he's willing to stand in the gap and say, God, are you really going to destroy that city? Even, what, what if there's 50 people? What if there's 40 people? What if there, 30? 20? He got all the way down to 10. Like, that should have been it. Willing to, to go out on a limb to get the people that are on the outside. Go after them. We framed these stories in a way to teach our core values. If you remember that. And through this, we also gained a clear understanding of who God chooses to work with, the partner that God pursues. The growth that Abraham goes through in this, this story, though, uh, you know, it shows us that he, he didn't just begin as that giant. He starts as a very human character, and he can, really, he is a human character throughout the whole story. But especially at the beginning, that's attainable. We can start there. And we learned that he develops and grows into the call that God has placed on him, just like we can do. We learn that we can be the partner that God pursues. We learn that we can go after that, that we can grow into the call that God puts on our life. And so that was our series on, on Abraham, the partner that God pursues. So we're going to move into our series on Isaac and Jacob next. The next couple of chapters of Genesis. And, and today we're going to start that with a look at the end of Abraham's life in Genesis 25. So let's go ahead and uh, 
think we'll throw the, yeah, the passage up there. Cool. So Abraham took another wife. This is after Sarah has died. Sarah has passed away. We buried her. Uh, Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. I'm not sure why I made myself read all of these names. That was a terrible decision. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Ashuram, Let, Letushim, Le, Lium, yep, that, one, that one kills me. I'm not sure. Like Liumimim? I don't know, something like that. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanok, Abadah, and Eldah. All of these were the children of Keturah. Uh, worth noting, he only has one son with Sarah. Has many sons with Keturah. It's kind of a thing. Might be something to pull from that. But this next verse, I really do, I, this, this next one we want to focus in on. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts, and while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac, eastward to the east country. These are the days of Abraham's life, 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. This was a story that we went over in the Abraham series, was him purchasing this field to bury his wife. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Ber Laharoi. So there's a couple of things that I want to take away from this reading today. One, Abraham is being super intentional about trying to leave behind the best legacy that he can for Isaac. He's being super intentional about this. Uh, He sends away all of the possible distractions as he's nearing the end of his life. He sees these and he sends away all of the possible distractions that could detract and could get Isaac off of the course that God has laid out before them by sending away all of his other, all of his other sons. Ishmael is already living off in a different place. Um, the, the next passage in Genesis 25 talks about that a little bit, if you want to look into that. Um, but he sends all of these other sons from Keturah, he sends them eastward. And it's kind of fun to, to, if you remember back to Genesis, it's fun to note that when you move west, you're moving towards God's design. That's kind of the narrative. The theme follows that if you move west, you're following God's design. You're moving towards God. And if you move east, whenever the people are separating from God and, and like Babel moves east, everybody's pushing east away from God. And so he sends these other sons that are not going to carry on the line of God. They're not going to be God's chosen people. He sends them east. Could be something there. Uh, also a possible connection there to the prodigal son that Rob came up with when we were sermon clubbing this. Uh, we clubbed this pretty good two weeks ago and came up with that a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about that in footnotes a little bit, just because I figured it's Rob's idea. We should talk about it with Rob. Uh, it's more fun that way. Be, be super great. 
but one other thing, he sends them off. He sends them off east to get them out of the way, but he sends them with gifts. And it makes, it makes note of that. Abraham gave them gifts while he was still living. He sent them eastward. This is different than how he sends off Ishmael, right? Uh, when he sends off Ishmael initially with all that conflict back earlier in the story with Hagar and Sarah and their butting heads, and he sends off Ishmael and Hagar, and it really kind of seems like he doesn't really send them off too well. They're just out there, and she sets Ishmael underneath a, a bush and is very distraught, and then God blesses them because of how she calls out to him. So it seems like maybe Abraham has grown and learned a little bit. There's still some growth happening, even, even in the later years of his life. I think I've got a, a slide there, Bob, with a timeline of Abraham's life, if I remember right. Got that? Yeah, sweet. Uh, forgot this first service. They didn't get this. Um, so we, this is Abraham's life kind of graphed out with a couple of, couple of things to note. Isaac was born at 100. And if you do the math, Esau and Jacob were born before Abraham actually dies. So they're actually 15 when he dies. So there's a little bit of, like, it gets a little mashed together here. Uh, it's not just a clean, like, and then Abraham died and immediately Isaac was existing. No, like there's some overlap um, because he does live a very long time. So he's got... You know, there's probably a huge clan of people running around here at this point. And he sends off all of Keturah's people off to the east. But he sets them up well, gives them gifts, sends them off well. So a little growth there. But the important thing is that Isaac gets all that Abraham has. Abraham gives Isaac all he has. That's the good stuff. And that's also the, the tough stuff, right? That's the, the blessing of, of all of the, the wealth and the, the power. And he puts him in this patriarchal spot, sets him up well, but he also gives him all of the responsibility. And that comes along with it. And we're going to see in the series, as, as we go through the next six weeks, we're going we're gonna to see some of the stuff that Abraham passes down that might not be so good that he gives also to Isaac. We're going to see some of the things that his legacy, the, the, the potholes that come along with that, the difficulties that come along with that, the ramifications of mistakes that are going to bleed through the generations that we see play out. But it is clear that he passes on this legacy of God's chosen people to Isaac. And that is going to be Isaac's responsibility to carry that we're going to see. And that is Isaac's responsibility to take and move the ball down the field and then pass the baton. We went from a ball down the field to a baton there. Good, good analogy, Logan. Pass the baton on to the next person, right? The seed has been planted by Abraham. Now we get to see if it's going to grow, if it's going to mature through Isaac and through his lineage. So as we go through these next six weeks, the thing that I want us to think about, the, the, the theme, which might be hitting us in the face constantly, uh, I think we picked a good name, is I want us to think about legacy. You want to throw that next slide up there, Bob? I want us to think about the legacy that you have inherited. The legacy, the people in your life that have passed things down to you. The good, the bad, the ugly. What type of legacy have you inherited? 
And, and then from that, what, what type of legacy are you choosing to live out as we're going through these stories and we see what Isaac is doing this with, with, these, with the legacy that he's given and we see what Jacob does with the, the legacy that he is given. How do they choose to live that out? How do you choose to live out your legacy? How are you living that out? And then lastly, what type of legacy are you leaving behind? We're going to ask this week after week. I want this to keep playing in our minds as we think about this. And because we're at vastly different stages in life, we're going to have very different answers. The conversations in care group are probably going to be fantastic. Uh, I, I imagine that they will. This is, there's, there can be some vastly different ideas of legacy that we can discuss and we can wrestle with. Keep this, keep this idea of legacy running through your head as we go through these next weeks. So that brings us to today's implication. She says, Abraham was invited to partner with God to plant a seed. That seed has become a kingdom. You have a choice in how you carry that legacy. That seed has become a kingdom and we're grafted into that. It's now our choice of how, how am I going to carry that baton? How, how far am I going to carry that? What am I going to do with the legacy that I've been given within God's kingdom? That's our choice. We get to choose what we do with that. So Abraham took this and he planted that seed. He started this and God is trying to put the world back together. He's trying to move this towards peace to move it towards shalom through this story. And this is just the very beginnings of it. And we have the, the, the benefit of seeing this play out and we know where the story ends, so to speak, with Christ. We, we know how this plays out. But we still have our part to do in that. So we have our choice in how we carry that legacy. So let's talk a couple next steps. Now, these aren't super heavy hitting. We've had a couple of heavy hitters in the last, you know, five or six weeks with the family series. I don't know about you guys, but those were square between the eyes a couple of times for me. Like, I'm glad we're done with that crap. <laughs> Moving on. Let's get back to something ancient that's not going to affect me at all. Spoiler alert. It's going to wreck us. It's going to be terrible. Uh, but this week, we're safe this week. Kind of. Uh, Next step, go back and review that in the beginning series. We got them on the podcast. You can throw it on and make Rob and me sound like we're chipmunks or something. Listen to it at three times speed or something. Uh, you know, but, or, or, you know, if you, so if you haven't heard that one, worth going back and listening to, because that's the foundational building blocks to understand who God is. And, and that informs the rest of the story. So we start with Genesis 1 through 11. Go back and review that. Uh, just pull open your Bible and read through those stories, maybe. Uh, pull apart some of the problems. Refresh ourselves on, on what's going on in the narrative that starts to get spun out here. And then number two is go back and review the part of the God Pursues series. Just go back and go review the stories that are in that one. Maybe catch, catch a few of the things in there. Maybe just go listen to the implications or, you know, if you're familiar with the story, you can three times speed it or 
you know, listen to a couple of these. Uh, specifically, before next week, really useful. Uh, if I remember correctly, the ones that are going to be most useful are Abraham being roughly right, how he started that one, because uh, he tries to lose his wife. And then the other one where he tries to lose his wife again, that one's going to also be important. Um, and then I think the Abimelech, like the Abimelech one. I think if that's not the same one, then, then that sermon. So those three for sure uh, are going to be important in this next, this next week's story. Spoiler alert. Isaac's running around and digging wells. But uh, go, go back and review some of these. Just refresh ourselves on where the story has been so that as we go into these next ones, we can start to pull out these connections uh, because these stories, especially in 12 through 24, have very real effects and implications and influence on the stories that we're going to go over the next six weeks. We're going to see a lot of parallels in the stories. We're like, oh yeah, you got that from your granddad. Oh, right. Or you got that from your dad. And the more familiar you are with these stories, the more you're going to make those connections, the more you're going to get out of it. Uh, the more familiar we are with the text, the easier it is for God to speak into our lives through it. A firm believer in that. And so by understanding who God is, and, and we need to do that in order to understand why he chooses to partner with Abraham. And we need to understand why he chooses to partner with Abraham to understand the redemptive plan that God has for the partners that he chooses to work with. With that legacy that it's getting passed down. We need, to, we need to understand those building blocks so that we can understand where God is taking things, how this plan should come together to bring things back to shalom, to bring things back to peace, to bring things back into a state of rest in Genesis 2. That's what God's doing with this. So that's what we're doing for the next, well, this week and then six weeks. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I, am, I am actually very excited for this series. Uh, I was planning this out, um, and uh, I, man, I'm, I'm super stoked. We're going to have some fantastic conversations uh, for the next six weeks. Uh, lots of good stuff there. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.